1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement. due. $35 per line connection charge applies. It It is
0: 708 in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy, along with producer Jonathan Lowe, until nine o'clock on a chilly, chilly Saturday night. Although, Jonathan. We gained a degree. It's 21. <laughs> we. Yeah. Anyway, it, it, it is chilly. But folks, hey, it's November. You got Thanksgiving coming. You got Christmas coming. You got Hanukkah coming. You've got all kinds of wonderful, wonderful festivities ahead. Uh, so great to be with you on a Saturday evening. I, I don't know if any of you saw uh, a study by the American Academy of Pediatrics that says spanking – isn't just ineffective, it can also lead to mental health disorders. In fact, the American Academy of Pediatrics says children who experience this type of physical punishment will be more defiant and aggressive in the future. Dr. Eric Barth is a pediatrician at Alina Health and is joining us right now. Um, Dr. Barth, I think there are an awful lot of people here, including myself, wondering if we have scarred our children for life. Uh, <laughs> um tell tell me what the thinking is and, and the research because I've heard this before uh from other uh, studies that this is really not something that people should do
2: right exactly and it it is uh uh something that's a a bit difficult to uh for some people to accept because they grew up and oh I got spanked by my parents and i I remember i I spanked my kids when they were misbehaving. Uh, but what we have to uh, do over time, and we're constantly doing this as, as pediatricians and I'm sure in other, in other areas, is we kind of reevaluate things based on current information. And what's happened is that there's been a lot of research in this area. And the research has shown that, that if you're uh, striking a child or yelling at a child, uh, that can cause elevated stress hormones and that can literally lead to changes in the brain's architecture. And, and so that can lead to some of these, uh, these things, as you say, that uh, kids who are, are spanked or um, shamed uh, as children wind up being, as you say, more more defiant and more uh, aggressive as they get older.
0: In terms of um, the incidents when people do spank kids, I mean, I just, you know, there's, I know that I did it, my kids are Older teenagers now, but you know, I, I do remember one incident where, um, you know, I, and I, I'm sure people out here can relate because there's always a, a moment where it just seems like it's just overwhelming and, and too much. But right. I remember, uh, I think my husband had, a, I, I know my husband had a new sport jacket that he purchased that he spent a lot of money on clothes, but purchased it. And my daughter, who was two at the time, who was just, you know, really, uh, the greatest kid in the universe. She's she's sixteen now, but I don't know what got into her. But she had the scissors and she just started cutting up the sport coat. <laughs> and uh, hey, look you, what this does. Yeah, I know, and it was just this remarkable like uh, array of pieces of a very kind of expensive sport coat for for. Us and my husband was very angry, and, and did spank her. I think it may have been the only time he spanked her, but uh, you know, I remember it. She remembers it. He remembers it. Um, you know, I, I right. think I think but we've so all been there, and, and I, I right, know everybody right, out so there listening has has their own story.
2: Exactly. And so it, we're
3: not talking about those
2: isolated uh, instances. We're talking about as as uh, you know as an approach to discipline. Studies have shown that spanking, corporal punishment, actually does more harm than good, and it's okay. it's, it's not only ineffective, but it's it's harmful. It, it's it's tricky because at the time it seems like it worked, right? Because the child stops what they're doing, but and so it gives you that feedback that oh, well, that worked. But uh, but over time, and again, as a, as a uh, an approach to discipline. Uh, studies show that it just leads to increased aggression and makes it more likely that children right. will be defiant.
0: And, and, and obviously, I mean, I think we've all been to you know the parenting classes for for, for very young children. You know, and, and obviously, um, it, it is completely inappropriate to to, to physically um, you know act out against a, a child that is an infant or a baby because they physically cannot handle it. Um, right you know right. and 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 and, right. and you know i think there's a lot of um discussion about how uh, you know it's not easy being a parent i mean we we've all, and you know it's exhausting <laughs> and it's tiring and, yes. and it's difficult I'm a parent um, myself yes um, yes but but um in terms of of you know the discipline issues are there guidelines or is there you know a book people should go to because i i think people do want the best for their children
2: oh sure absolutely oh i'm sure uh, and uh, a resource that I could recommend to the listeners would be, uh, it's a website uh, that's maintained by the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's called childrenhealth.org.
0: Childrenhealth.org. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I,
2: I misspoke. I misspoke. <laughs> I was talking without looking. At you. So it's healthychildren. Healthychildren.org. Healthychildren.org. Okay and that's got some wonderful information just parenting it's a great parenting resource period but it also has specific resources relative to this topic that we're dis- discussing tonight the spanking
0: okay and and, and what, what does it say i mean does it give sort of advice
2: right well the 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 approach that 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 we would suggest uh it, it depends on the child's age it depends on the child's temperament the, the website, if you go to that website, it breaks it down by age, so it talks about things to do for a young child, like for instance, you know, modeling good behavior, so modeling good ways to calm down, uh, teaching your children to, uh, to say, say what they're feeling, right, and also trying to pay attention to them when they're doing good things, right? The inclination is that we tend to, uh, you know, if their kids are behaving, you kind of ignore them, right? And then, if if they misbehave, then you wind up having to pay more attention to them. But what you want to do is you want to try uh, catching them being good, and so that's a it's a good place to begin. Is the premise of rewarding positive behavior. So catch them being good and make comments about, oh, you're being so good. You're playing quietly with your sister there. That's so terrific.
0: Right. Right. And and I guess and I guess that's that's like anything. At whatever stage you are in life, people always seem to point out when you're doing something wrong or, or not. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, sometimes I mean, even I, you know, after all the years, I'm like, God, that was a really great story. And no one says a word about it, you know, but but if I screw up, they're like, what the heck were you <laughs> thinking? How could you not right. do that? Right? right. And, you know, what were you? Are you, you know, so, I, I think, I I think that happens for all of us.
2: <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, um, and then for older children too, they're they're uh, similar things, and and again at that healthychildren.org, dot that has some tips.
0: Okay, and you know, does it? Because um, I know that there are some children who are um, for whom it's more difficult, and and you know, some children are are just easier for. for I, I'm not sure. Oh, absolutely, temperaments and temperaments, yeah, and and I'm not sure. Um, how that happens, and I'm sure if you know somebody could figure that out, they'd be very wealthy, <laughs> or write the ultimate book. But um, right. it, it is difficult, especially when you have a child that, that is more difficult. Um, what do you advise people who are really struggling to do?
3: <sighs>
2: well, I mean, uh, again, it, it's it's that's a difficult question to answer in, in the sense that it's so situational, right? It depends on exactly what's going on, but. But what, I'll, uh, what often helps is to focus on uh, like one or two behaviors. You, you, you don't try to you know, change things overnight. You don't try to do everything all at once, but you focus on you know, pick one behavior, pick two behaviors and, and focus on those and maybe try, try either whether it's uh, setting limits or having uh, certain consequences if it's an older child. Right, the concept of of natural consequences. And when you say older, what what what, right? what
0: are you thinking? Are we thinking fourteen? Or are we thinking
2: eight? No, even I would say even even your uh, you know seven through really teenage, okay you know six seven and and older. I mean they can understand natural consequences that uh, if you you know if you don't you're you're an eight year old and you leave your bicycle out all night when you were told to put the bicycle in the garage and the bicycle is on the next day that's a natural consequence correct so maybe you don't go out and you you know quick buy a new bike because the poor kid doesn't have a bike right you know so that's a natural consequence that he has to kind of live with for a little bit and and you kind of learn from that so um, so yeah but but starting with one or two things not not trying to change things overnight I guess would be one primary piece of advice
0: Right? Is there? Um, and and l- let me ask you this: Is it is it as equally an issue for boys and girls? Boy,
2: you're <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get me into dangerous such uh, dangerous territory. Sorry, but I would <laughs> say yes. I, no, no, no. I'm teasing that, uh, but uh, I would say yes. I would say yes, but in just in different ways, maybe. But. Um, uh, but I would say yes, it can be an issue for certainly for both. I I actually uh, am a parent of of two girls, so uh, I perhaps missed out on some of that. But that does not mean that we did not have issues with uh, with discipline and and right. uh, needing to come up with strategies.
0: Right. Let Let, let me ask you this because I think I think a lot of parents have been there where um, they do something happens and. It's difficult and it's hard, and you know they do resort into spanking, and then they wonder, oh my gosh, did I really mess up? I shouldn't have done it. How do you? What what advice do you have for parents who kind of regret the spanking and, you know, feel that there should have been discipline, but maybe they went too far? Because I, I I I have to right. imagine that no, happens. Heard. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I guess, I guess I would. My my first suggestion would be not to. Not to dwell on the past, but to right. you know try not try not to let that weigh you down too much. Um, the, and so you you have to you have to move forward and and take that as a life lesson and move forward and uh, try to do better. It's like all of us do every day in in our our everyday lives, right? Right. You, try to, you make make a mistake, you stumble, uh, but then you. Pick yourself up, and you try to put that in the past, and and move forward with a better strategy. It, be, it might be a motivator for saying, "Okay, I need to come up with a uh, a better strategy for uh, for discipline." You know, for right you know.
0: Is, is is the is the old you know timeout? Does that, is that still around? <laughs> oh yes,
2: uh, yeah, it still is. It still is. And is is that uh, something
0: I'll... that pediatricians think is a good idea?
2: I think when it's used when it's used properly and used um, uh, you know, like like there's sort of a uh, a rule of thumb is it be just a minute per year of age so we're talking about very short timeout and even though for though for an older child you don't say oh you're going to go have a timeout you're going to go sit no. in the corner <laughs>
0: I but, wish but, I, sometimes I well, want to do that but
2: <laughs> but but it's it's you frame it differently but it's sort of the same strategy would say, hey, you know, it looks like maybe you know, we need to take a break and we need to kind of cool down, step away. And once you, you know, go to your room for a few minutes until then we can have more of a, a calm conversation once we both kind of cool down or whatever. So so it, it, in a sense, it's kind of like timeout, but you're not calling it timeout. You're saying, you know, just
0: mm-hmm.
2: might need a little time to cool down and, and uh, calm down.
0: Right. Cause, and you're saying that the timeout... What you're suggesting there is that the timeout for, for young children is sometimes just as important for the parents to have the timeout as well.
2: <laughs> that, exactly. Yes. Absolutely. That's right. And then once once they have calmed down, you can say, you know, hey, you know, I can see that you've 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 calmed down. You're 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 quiet now, and I I think it, it looks like you're ready to come back and play. You know, now right. you've you've you know you now it looks like you, you know, and then you want to make that a positive and say, hey looks like you're all quieted down, looks like ready, let's come on back and, and play.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and I think the focusing on the positive is something that's it's right. So exactly. Important.
2: You don't want it to be right. And I think that's the caution that I would give with timeout. is it's not a, you know, uh, it, to try and uh, take it as a, um, uh, a, a stepping away a calm down period, but then looking at the pause and say, hey, all right, you've calmed down. Let's uh, let's get back to playing. Um,
0: all right. Well, this, this is great advice. We, we certainly appreciate it. Um, uh, Dr. Eric Barth, uh, pediatrician at Align Health, thank you so much for coming on this evening.
2: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Okay, absolutely. All right. It, it is a tough thing, and, and I think it is tough to be a parent, and it's tough to do the discipline, and it's tough to do it the right way, and... You know, sometimes you're just exhausted and at the end of your rope and you got other kids and it's just – it's a lot. But that was uh, great advice. Uh, His uh, suggestion, healthychildren.org is the website that he recommends. All right, folks. uh, Esme Murphy along with producer Jonathan Lowe. We're going to take a quick break. You are listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. It is 726 in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock in just a few minutes. We're going to give you some weather. Suddenly it feels like the weather has changed. Hey, it's Minnesota. It's mid-November. It's chilly. Uh, It is going to get warmer midweek, but still, um, we'll give you some weather details and tell you about uh, the chance of snow. Uh, It did seem like a bit of a shock, though, to get that snow just a few days ago and again a little bit today. Um do want to let you know that we have uh, an awesome rest of the show coming up for you. Coming up, we are going to talk uh with uh, author Susanna Liller. Uh, she is going to be talking about the record number of women who will be serving in Congress. This is an amazing, amazing figure, more than 100 members of the House of Representatives, uh, a record. Some people say it's not enough. I think it is just a wonderful achievement and, and I can't wait to see what what women bring to the table from both parties as they uh, are represented in Congress in record numbers. Uh, so we'll talk to her about that, and then we also are going to talk about. And, and you've been seeing it; it's sort of that time of year. You know, you, you kind of go into one of your favorite stores and. Suddenly there are all the Christmas ornaments out and I kind of like it. I just, I've always liked it. Uh, so we're going to talk with, uh, Becky Sturm. She is the co-founder of the Minnesota Christmas Markup. It is, market, excuse me. Not Markup, Market. Uh, it is a pop-up holiday shopping event that showcases homegrown brands and makers with a charitable twist. It will take place at the Hutton House, uh, tomorrow, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. We'll talk about that and then uh, Professor David Schultz is off, but I will be joined by Professor Stephen Shear. He is a, a very accomplished uh, historian and political analyst, a uh, professor emeritus at uh, – I, I believe that's his title, but uh, he's at Carleton College. And I really uh, am very interested to see what his take is on this past election and going forward, looking ahead – to, uh, 2020. It's already started, folks. I know you might think it's, it's too early to think that, but no, it's already started. And it it is, uh, obviously something that we're going to be thinking of. And obviously the president once again having another volatile week. So we're going to ask Professor Shear about that. So we are going to take a break. When we come back, we will give you some weather because that is all important here in the Twin Cities, and then we'll be joined by Dr. Su- Susanna Liller, who is uh, the author of a new book. You are a heroine, a retelling of the hero's journey, and she'll talk about the record number of women who'll be serving in. Because it is seven thirty four in the Twin Cities, twenty one degrees, a little chilly out there. Well, Susanna Liller is the author of a book called "You Are a Heroine," a retelling of the hero's journey. And she is joining us right now to talk about uh, the fact that there are going to be a record number of women who will be serving in Congress. Susanna Lillard, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Well, thank you, Esme, for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: Absolutely. All right. Your perspective, uh, on terms of, in terms of this election, because there are an awful lot of takes here on what happened this past Tuesday night going into obviously Wednesday morning in many parts of the country, including right here, uh, in the Twin Cities and, and in Minnesota. Your, your thoughts.
3: Well, and, and let me just say, Maine has its first ever woman's governor that we just elected, so Janet Mills. So, and
0: and, Ma- and Maine, I, I would give it. Let's give a shout out to Maine with with your senators Susan Collins and Olympia Snow. I mean, Maine right. has been out there, right, way ahead of many other states.
3: Definitely, and Olympia Snow retired from the Senate and oh, started right. a girls' um, institution to help give girls power and confidence, and she's doing marvelous things here with high schoolers in Maine. So a shout out for that, too. Well, um, my book, You Are a Heroine, was not written as a political book, but what's happening in the country with these women who have signed up and have won these elections um, is the quintessential heroine's journey. So it's, Quite remarkable. And very simply, it's, um, you know, these women had very ordinary lives. It wasn't that they were groomed for political life, but they heard a call and they listened to it and they followed it and it took them on an adventure, which is the heroine's journey adventure, which grows and develops your potential. And it's fascinating that this is what's happening with women now also with the Me Too movement, that they are speaking up, they are following their
0: soul's urging. <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, I do think that sort of inherently women, and for all of you women who are out there listening, and I know there are many thousands, uh, let's face it, I think women are, are so good at, at multitasking, at, at doing, you know, three or four things at the same time or doing them well and and you know juggling things. I think it's a natural fit for politics.
3: Yes, I agree, because they can have their families. You know, they can also hopefully spend time still with their communities and do the big job of governing. Um, And women are doing And we do
0: the job of governing at home. (laughs) Yeah,
3: that's true. And it's challenging. I mean, in all aspects of our lives, it's challenging. But again... If you ask these women, would you rather have stayed in your comfort zone and not taken these big leaps, they would never want to exchange that for what they've done. But when you're in your comfort zone, it can be scary. You don't want to step out there. I understand that.
0: Right. And what do you think is sort of the point where women decide to go outside of their comfort zone because i think i think women do this all the time and we juggle so many things but yet right. to make that move especially publicly in terms of running for office it's a risk you're putting yourself out there and i think there are a lot of i think especially women who who it's that's god i've never done that you know it, it that's got to be hard it's got to be hard
3: and you're also Becoming so vulnerable because you're then right. more visible and your mistakes are more visible. Um, I think for so many, it's, you know, I think they say, how can I not do this because I am so being called to take a stand? And yes, I'm afraid, and all the voices in my head and even the people around me can be saying, no, you're not qualified but it gets so strong, the call within you, you just have to respond. For me, it just keeps knocking inside my head, you know, that I need to do this, whatever it might be.
0: Right. Is there something, you know, as the women that you've looked at, is there some commonality that that brings them to that point?
3: Yeah, that's interesting. That's such a good question. Um, I think that... It takes a woman to be able to quiet all the
0: voices around her. <laughs> to find All the doubters. Yes, and, and probably and even their own voices doubting them.
3: Exactly. Because um, that's what, what tends to hold us back. And if you can kind of just shut it out and listen to your own inner voice, I think it grows a lot louder and louder if you pay more attention to it. So, are you listening to the outer voices of everybody telling you what to do? Or are you listening,
0: or what you can't do?
3: Right. It's <laughs> mostly what you can't do. And on the journey, the heroine's journey, those voices are called the threshold guardians, and they're holding you back from making that
0: leap. Right. And and even you know some of the most you know really brilliant and accomplished women I know still have those voices that yeah, they hear.
3: They do. And I and I would say to you, Esme, that um. I don't think we ever lose them, but, but I think we learn to work with them. And I tell women that fear will be your constant companion. If you're going to keep leaving your comfort zone, make fear your buddy because it will always be there. But um, because you're leaving, you're getting into an uncomfortable place and you're doing it on purpose because you know that it will cause you to grow.
0: My guess is uh, Susanna Liller, her new book, or her book is You Are a Heroine, a Retelling of the Hero's Journey. Uh, is there something when you look at these journeys of women who, who've who taken certain risks, are, are there threads that are, are common to them?
3: Um, I think, well, yes, I think often... You set out on these adventures, which I call an adventure, but you go into the unknown. You leave your comfort zone, and you're out there on the road, and things happen, and often you can confront something that's um, a fear from your past, and I talk about it in my book, and and in my book I call them dragons. This is the dragon um, (laughs) that men have always talked about as slaying, but women these things kind of rise up for us to transform them. And so it's more, I I feel that women try to understand what's going on with their dragon. And I encourage them to communicate, what does this dragon have to say? And so often the dragon, the fear is about, I don't want you to get hurt. I'm protecting you. And once you say, I'm a big girl now, I can handle it. Sometimes those fears just kind of fade. So I think often... This is a common thread that whatever ha- this challenges you're going through is there to teach you something and can be very valuable.
0: Right. Um, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people are, are, are focusing on and, and, you know, some people are talking about, you know, yes, this is, this is a record number of members of women who are in Congress. Other people are saying, well, you know, something, it, it, it should be more. What are your thoughts when you hear that kind of a debate?
3: You mean the the comment that it should be more? Yes, yeah. Yes, I just I feel we are on the threshold of a whole new paradigm for where women are going, and we're we you can't see it when you're in it, you know. Only looking back will we really be able to trace the trajectory. But to me, I think there are women we that maybe have not made headlines yet, but in every community, in every situation, they are seeing what's happening, and they're beginning to think, oh, I wonder if I could do this, or maybe I can speak up at work where I've never spoken up before, or you know, they're all kind of, it's its um, I think inciting women all over to do whatever it is they're being called to do. It might not be in politics, but it might be something else that's going to Important
0: for all of us. Right. Um, yeah. It, it, it's. It, yeah. And, and let me ask you this. You know, I mean, obviously there was so much attention on the Kavanaugh hearings. Right. Um, you know, a number of uh, decades ago, it was the Anita Hill hearings. And certainly the Kavanaugh hearings are getting a lot of credit for galvanizing Republicans and gal- galvanizing, you know, those who are supporters of the president uh, in terms of going out to vote. But is there also a movement, do you think? That, that will become to be seen as, as a movement of those who are supporters of dr. Christine Blasey Ford or who are sympathetic to her yeah
3: well to me as I watched that, she was the quintessential heroine I mean talk about speaking up and leaving your comfort zone and, and, cl- and clearly
0: it, she was so yeah. uncomfortable
3: right and fear being your constant companion um You know, what what I hoped that my book could help do is show women, no matter if they're a Democrat or a Republican, that there is a common path that every woman travels, and that's this heroine's journey with milestones. If we want to listen to our call and leave our comfort zone, we will go through no matter what. And my hope has been that, we can see that commonality more than we can see our differences. And maybe that's idealistic, but I tend to be idealistic. (laughs) And the more more that women know that this is here, and it's been in our literature and our movies since when Homer talked about the Iliad and the Odyssey, that was a hero's journey story with a lot of men in it, but it's so applicable to women, and we're all on it, okay. whether we know it or not.
0: Okay. Susanna Liller, uh, thank you so much for your time, uh, your book, You Are a Heroine, a Retelling of the Hero's Journey. Thank you so much. Esme, thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, folks, um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Becky Sturm. She's the co founder of the Minnesota Christmas Market. Tomorrow is the annual Minnesota Christmas Market. It's a pop-up holiday shopping event that showcases homegrown brands and makers with a charitable twist. And it will take place at the Hutton House tomorrow, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So keep it here, folks. You're listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. There you go. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, it is. it has snowed. Um, I guess it's going to be snowing more, maybe. I don't know. It's that time of year, but it is the holiday season. And if you go into any stores, as I did today, you will see that the holiday decorations are out in full force, folks. Uh, Becky Sturm is the co-founder of the Minnesota Christmas Market. It is an annual Minnesota Christmas Market. It's a pop-up holiday shopping event that showcases homegrown bands, uh, brands, excuse me, and makers with a charitable twist. And it will take place at the Hutton House tomorrow from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Becky Sturm, happy holidays. Well, happy holidays to you, Esme. How are you? I am doing great. And I am getting into the holiday mood here. Tell us Good. about your event. Well, it is one of the first
1: Christmas markets of the season. And, yes, we're talking about Christmas this early November 11th. And it takes place tomorrow starting at 11 a.m. at the Hutton House. It's in Medicine Lake. And we have about 40 makers and artisans and craftspeople. And we donate 7% of every each maker, donates 7% of their sales tomorrow to three of our charities, three Minnesota children's charities, and there's the Sheridan Story Treehouse and the Real Hope Project. And our food trucks, we have a couple of food trucks, and they donate 7% of their sales. And the Hutton House is so generous, they're donating 7% of their bar sales to our three charities as well. So it's going to be an amazing event.
0: And why don't you tell us exactly where it is in Medicine Lake?
1: Okay, well, it the address is one zero seven one five South Shore Drive. So right there in Medicine Lake, it it, it borders Plymouth. It the Plymouth area. Um, it's um it's close to like a landmark would be General Mills. It's kind of in
0: that area, which which is not that far away. I mean, it's definitely like you know the heart of the metro. Um, what are the things you know? And so you you really sort of feature artisans, you know, for these sort of homemade or artistic, uh, you know, different, you know, all different kinds of crafts. That's something I think a lot of people really treasure this time of year, don't you think?
1: They do. People are really wanting to support local. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's a great way to um, support the, you know, the Minnesota Entrepreneur, um, you know, group and that we just have some great, you know, artisans who are, you know, kicking off their holiday season tomorrow.
0: All right. Um, and in terms of, why don't you give us sort of like a range of the kinds of artisans that we featured and the kinds of different um, crafts that, that people can purchase?
1: Sure. Well, we have, um, you know, everywhere from food and drink to home goods. Um, we have Northern Glasses there. They have these great... Um, uh, you know, beer glasses. We have Thumbs Cookies. Um, Moxie Mala. She makes these lovely, um, Mala bracelets and necklaces. Um, Desdemona Doolittle. She makes lovely purses and jewelry made out of repurposed leather. Um, we have, uh, Cooper and Kid. That's a great, um, vendor who has a subscription box for dads. Um, yeah, we have just some, uh, hippie feet. They have these great socks. Uh, we just have some, you know, some amazing brands, about okay. 40 of them actually.
0: Okay. And tell us about, um, the charities that, that are, are that this is going to benefit. Tell us about them because these are unique charities.
1: Yes. The Treehouse, they serve at-risk teens here in Minnesota. Um, the Sheridan Story, they provide food for kids to take home on the weekends and then um the real hope project they create videos of minnesota kids who are waiting to be adopted here
0: wow and 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 nothing can be more important than that especially this time of year um uh, how long have you folks been doing this because i know that this has really taken off
1: it has the last 2 years it's gone vi- it's gone viral and this is our 3rd year the first 2 years we were at a brewery in st paul and we just outgrew that space last year and So we spoke, you know, we pitched our idea to the great people at the Hutton House, and they had been wanting to put on a Christmas market. And we thought, hey, let's, you know, let us show you what we can do and we'll see how it goes. So, yeah, we're really excited. It's a much bigger space. It's a lovely event space. A lot of people have um, weddings there. They have corporate events. It's just a beautiful um, venue right in Medicine Lake, and they are just celebrating their first year anniversary.
0: Okay. And I know, obviously, a lot of people are sort of concerned about their budgets. What are some of the price points, if you can just give us generally, you know, for some of these gifts?
1: Oh, you can find things for, you know, just a few dollars up to, you know, um, um, there's some – the Great Lakes Collection has these lovely paddles that go up to a couple hundred dollars. There's really price ranges for everybody. Um, We have candles, you know, that, you know, have a great price point. Um, There's children's clothes, you know, there's really a price point for every shopper. There really is.
0: All right. Well, listen, uh, I want to thank you, Becky Sturm, uh, the co-founder of the Minnesota Christmas Market. And again, I want to give you the address in Medicine Lake, which is right by Plymouth. Uh, it's 10715 South Shore Drive in Medicine Lake. And the time again, it's 11 to 6, right? Yes. Right tomorrow? Yep. Okay. Well, it's it's a great chance to, you know, experience and, and purchase gifts that are local, that are artisanal. Uh, and it's just a, a great chance to celebrate Minnesota and get into the holiday spirit. Thank you so much, Becky. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Esme.
0: Absolutely. Take care. And again, right. so that is uh, Medicine Lake. It is the uh, Minnesota Christmas Market, 10715 South Shore Drive in Medicine Lake tomorrow from 11 to 6. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock along with uh, – Producer Jonathan Lowe. I'll be joined shortly by producer uh, Shaletta Brundage. And we're going to visit with Stephen Shear. He's a a professor of political science or retired now, uh, political science at Carleton College. Uh, I can't wait to get his take on the elections. Normally at this hour we do talk with Professor David Schultz. He is off. But Stephen Shear, really a a great mind, somebody who really has uh, invested himself in studying the history of this country in terms of the presidential politics. And so much going on, and so much at stake, and uh, you know, obviously, some of the elections still to be decided in Georgia and Florida, but what about the elections here? Uh, you did have a, a switching of, of key congressional districts in in the first and eighth congressional district, which are primarily you know rural Minnesota. Yes, uh, the eighth certainly has Duluth, uh, but the suburban districts, the third and the second, flipped uh from uh, Congressman Eric Paulson uh who is a long term incumbent to Jason Lewis who was a one term incumbent uh to Democrats. So we're gonna ask uh Professor Scheer about his take on that. And then obviously uh the twenty twenty race has already started. Uh the President uh really kind of stepping up his game here, uh insisting that that this was a great victory for him. But was it? Was it really? Um you know we can certainly question that here in Minnesota I think uh, but nationally, uh, with Republicans picking up apparently a few seats in the Senate, what does this bode in terms of going forward? Obviously, you have the extraordinary firing of Minnesota or, or U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions. So all of that uh, still ahead, uh, folks. You are listening to News Radio eight three zero WCCO. Esme Murphy with you until nine o'clock. Keep it here. We'll have much more ahead.